This is, uh, this is um, a friend fell, fell from an eight-foot ladder and hit his head uh, on a rock. He was in ICU three days. They prayed healing for his head and, uh, and his body and his soul. And he got to go home at the end of the three days. His memory is being returned. His vision is getting better. And it's a miracle he didn't die. So that was fun. Uh, I had one happen. Uh, I grew up in Hood River, Oregon. Some of you saw my Facebook post. I grew up in, River, in Hood River. And uh, so one of the gals there that went to church with us in our Assembly of God church there in, in Hood River, uh, don't ever really talk to this gal. A couple years ago, she reached out to me from Oklahoma and wanted Recover Life stuff. And then she wanted the Mountain Moving Prayer book. And she kind of discovered us a little bit. But I hadn't talked to her, you know, before that. Uh, so last Friday, I'm on my way home. We've been here working on the playground. I get a, I get a random text message from her. She'd gone to, uh, she'd gone to the doctor uh, for a mammogram. They'd found a lump. Uh, and then she had gone in, uh, was going in to, uh, would it be radiology? Without me reading the text, but anyway... So she called, uh, she texted me and said, Pastor, you know, pray for me. Uh, so I said, call me. So she calls me up. I pray for her. Now, they had already found the lump. They'd already measured the size of the lump. Uh, now she's going in for whatever the next thing would have been. Uh, so uh, she goes in for that. Uh, pray for her on the phone to Oklahoma. How many of you know prayer works over the phone? So uh, three days later, I get a note from her. It's totally gone. There's nothing there. They can't find anything. God has done a miracle. So this is, this is the God we serve. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you right now for a morning of miracles, a people of miracles. We thank you that we are the sons and daughters of God, that the earth is rejoicing to work with us, that there's, that there's harmony around us, that things are shifting, things are changing, that we can take risk because risk in you is no risk at all, that you are leading us, you're guiding us, your voice is giving us direction to walk as the new creation, to walk as sons and daughters of God. We thank you for it, that miracles are common, that we don't even, we don't even find ourselves saying it's unbelievable because it is believable. The things that are happening with us are believable. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness on our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, Hebrews 5. Let's go to Hebrews 5. And we're going to go to the close of Hebrews 5 to launch into Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some of what Paul's introducing in the opening of Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 5, and I'm going to start at verse 11. Uh, we will read it first out of the NIV, then I'll read it out of the Passion. Is that all right? So he's talking about uh, Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Uh, he's talking about that Jesus is in the lineage and that he's entered into the priesthood of Melchizedek. And then he says this to uh, these Hebrew believers, these Hebrew Christians that he's writing to. He says... We have much to say about this, verse 11. 
but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk still be, being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I'm going to read it to you now out of the Passion Translation, very similar, uh, but gives a little bit of a different view on the vernacular of what Paul's trying to say here. And here's what he says. We have much to say about this topic, although it's difficult to explain, because you've become too dull and sluggish to understand. For you should already be professors instructing others by now, but instead you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters and they have been a adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. So he makes this accusation to them. And again, we find this appeal often in the epistles of Paul where he's, he's appealing to the readers to not go back to the principles that they were raised up in, that is to not go back into finding their salvation through the law, through the Mosaic system, but finding their salvation in Jesus. And he's saying to them that, that the preeminent uh, 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 doctrine that they need to hang on to is this word of righteousness. He calls it like a doctrine, the word of righteousness, that they become familiar with it, that they become acquainted with it, and here I love what the Passion says, that they are pierced with it. They're pierced with the revelation of righteousness because when our hearts are pierced with the revelation of righteousness, then we come to understand who we are in the new creation. And we come to understand that we don't need to return to that which we were previously acquainted with. And, and, and they, he's writing and appealing to them. Then he goes on, and uh, you know what, love? This is crazy and bad, uh, but hand me my phone, would you? And, uh, and Derek, forgive me. Uh, I forgot to give you Hebrews chapter 6. So he's going to go on. And we have to, we, we have to read this portion here uh, to kind of lead us into Hebrews chapter 6. So I'll go to my phone, and uh, Derek, maybe you could pull it up. Can you pull up uh, Hebrews chapter 6? In the NIV or the New American Standard? Is that all right? How's everybody doing? No matter how bad this gets, it's not going to last long. How do you feel about that? Okay, we can read it off the screens. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of, and then he's going to name a few things, laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death or 
The New American Standard, the King James will say, repentance from dead works. And from faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites. Now, the New American Standard, the King James are going to say things, uh, they're, they're going to say instruction about baptisms. And it's going to have a plural there, baptisms. The actual word in the Greek is dippings, instruction about dippings. And that's why in this case, the NIV is more true to the original intent of what he's saying because he's, again, he's talking to a group of Hebrews who have come into Yeshua. They've recognized Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, and he's, and he's, he's telling them essentially that we've told you a bunch of this stuff already. We've brought understanding to you, and it's really, it's really meant to be elementary. But if you don't have your heart pierced, if you don't, if you don't have a revelation of, if you're not walking in this, this revelation of righteousness, that this gift of righteousness is imputing of the righteousness of Jesus to your account through faith, if you're not walking in that, then you're going to be constantly wondering about your worth, and you're going to be constantly going back into a works-based salvation, and part of that was this ceremonial dippings. So we'll get to that in a moment. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. So he says, let's go on, let's move on. So he's actually telling them, and, and he's telling us the same as well, that there's so much more in God now. There's so much more in God. I like to think of John 3, 3 through 5, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he says, you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born of the Spirit, right? And, and that's just entering the kingdom. How many of you know there's more to the kingdom than entering? So salvation is the door, and, and what he's trying to say to these guys, he's trying to say, I've rehearsed with you a whole bunch of that which really would be elementary in this new walk with God. You are in a new walk with God. You're in, you've come into God through Yeshua, through Jesus, through the Messiah, and now that you've come in, there's so much more for you. But if we stay camped around this, if we just stay camped around these things, this is not going to be good. We can't go into the deeper things that God has for us if we continue to just hover around these things. How many of you know there's a tendency, even in the church, for us to stay kind of babyish and just hover around what got us into the kingdom? And maybe for you, it isn't shared with all of these things because you aren't coming out of Jewish history. So maybe for you, it's not, it's not oh, you know, do I have to do more of these ceremonial dippings, right? They had one, like in Leviticus 15, they had one where they would take the ashes of a red heifer. Now, the word has so many of these ceremonial washings and ceremonial dippings that the Jewish people needed to practice for cleansing of that which was unclean, the touching of the dead, or doing something that was, that was unclean. And we're going to read in Hebrews 9 that all of that was a picture of now the washing that is yours through Jesus, that Jesus has done a thorough wash with you. 
Isn't that good? Even Galatians 5 talks about the washing, actually, excuse me, Ephesians 5 talks about the washing of the water of the word. Right? So, so these washings were, were shadows, were pictures of what Jesus would do in his fullness. So they had one where they would take the ashes of a red heifer and they would sprinkle, it would mix those ashes with water and sprinkle those ashes on you if you had touched something dead. How many of you would like that? So when you go to that app, when you go to that open casket funeral, keep your hands to yourself. You're going to simplify life quite a bit. And we won't have to sprinkle ashes of a red, it was a red heifer. We won't have to sprinkle ashes of a red heifer on you. Is that all right? So, you know, they've already heard about some of this, and I want to touch on it a little bit. They've learned about dead works. They've learned about dead works, and they've learned about being sanctified from dead works. And Hebrews 9 tells us that we're redeemed from dead works so that we can serve the living God. It's very interesting that the Mosaic system, as intricate as it was, as full as it was, as much as it foreshadowed the Christ, as rich as it was in symbolism, it kept the people very busy, whereas God wants us now, instead of busy in that which didn't really wash the conscience, he wants us busy now in living works. This is interesting, that there's dead works, and that which now was a part of that mosaic system, he's going to call that dead works, that is, working to be accepted, doing something to be righteous, doing something to be a son. He's going to call that dead works. But now there's living works. Ephesians 2.10 talks about living works. That he has now, he has now prepared for us works that we enter into. And Hebrews 9 tells us, that, that we were actually created for living works, that we were created to serve the living God. How many of you find that there's, there's no greater fulfillment in life than serving God? Anybody here in the house? I hope that you have found that as, as cool as, you know, some entertainment might be, uh, down in, you know, we're down there in Bend, and they had a big stage shut up, uh, set up there in the big amphitheater. And then my neighbor came by and was talking to me about it. And he said that, you know, the Dave Matthews band was just there playing, and they had some big brew fest and whatever going on. I hope that whatever you enjoy in music, whatever you enjoy in sports, whatever you enjoy in athletic endeavor, whatever you enjoy in your labors, that nothing pales to serving God, to doing it all for Him and loving Him with all of your heart. And he says, this is, this, is, this is something that's critical. This is something that's key, is that we see that we've been, our life has been simplified. On this side of the cross, our life has been simplified. I don't know if you realize what a privilege it is to have the simplified life of the new creation, the new birth, and, and to, be, to be finding our righteousness in Jesus. Do you realize how simplified our life is? 
I don't know if you realize, you know, just the ceremonial cleansing alone, uh, just the ritual washings for consecration, you find it in Exodus 19, Exodus 40, Numbers 8. You find it in Leviticus 7, Leviticus 13, Leviticus 15. There's washing the clothes. There's bathing. There's sprinkled with water for purification. There's washings of hands and feet. Uh, I mean, there's just on and on and on. Just that element alone was so time-consuming, was so, was so focus-consuming, and we, we have entered into Jesus wherein we are washed, where we are cleansed, and where our lives are so simplified that we have time to be devoted to Him with all of our hearts. Is that amazing? I, you know, I, I pray that we take advantage of it. I want to read to you out of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 is such a great uh, uh, similar, like a parallel to what he's trying to get across with these uh, elementary things that he says, you, you've already heard about these. These are elementary. Uh, there's been teaching, instruction on this already. Hebrews chapter 9 is just a great, maybe, expose on part of what they had been taught. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, reading out of the New International. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship, also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up, and in its first room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain... So that was the first curtain. You would enter into that, and, and, and many of you are familiar with that. This tabernacle was, uh, was set up out in uh, the desert with curtains. You would enter into the first curtain. You'd come into the holy place. And then there was another curtain, another veil, and a second room. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This covenant contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss all of this in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest would enter the inner room and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order or applying or applicable until the time of, and the King James, the New American says, until the time of Reformation. Now, remember, he's writing this about A.D. 64, and you'll notice that in his tone, he talks a lot about that this 
this is, this is going off of the scene. This is coming to a close. But yet it's been a symbol. It's been a symbol. And, and, and now we are partakers of the real. And I want to go to, uh, I, want to, I want to go on if we can. Verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say is not part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of, both, of goals, goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished, unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Now, it's interesting, uh, the translation, uh, I like this one. It's more true to the Greek rendering. Uh, and the, the King James, I think the New American will say, uh, that the blood of Christ will cleanse us from dead works. So that dead works would kind of go back to and reference the dead works of Hebrews chapter 6, but it's actually not dead works. It's works, it's actually things that lead to death. So in this case, it's things that lead to death. That is, those things that would be ceremonial unclean. And he says, how much more, and, and, and it's probably, I don't know, it's probably hard for us, the, those of us that are New Covenant Christians, it's hard for us to relate to some of this. That constantly, that there were things happening in their lives, in the lives of a Jewish believer, that made them vulnerable Vulnerable in their relationship with God, vulnerable in terms of being unclean, counted unclean, that is not able, therefore, to come into the holy place, not able, therefore, to have an appeal with God. There were, there were things that were constantly happening in their lives, and, and he says here that the sacrifice of Jesus has been sufficient for all of this the eternal, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. We get this crazy privilege of serving the living God. We get up in the morning, we get to serve God. We get to work as unto the Lord. Everywhere we go, we're serving God. Every, we, we have this this unfettered relationship, there's no, there's no blockage, there's no, there's no hindrance, there's, no, there's nothing between me and God. I, I, I don't have to worry about all of these, these, these things. Isn't that amazing? And yet, is our focus on serving the living God? Is that our focus? I, I, I pray that's our focus, and that our focus is is walking in such a way that we hear his voice and that we're interacting by faith with the Holy Spirit all the time. I don't know if we realize that, that these who were 
who were living under this system, they had so much to think about all of the time. And we're just touching on a little bit of it. They had so much to think about all of the time that I don't know that they had a lot of time to listen to the leading of the Spirit. But you have so little to think about. And I say that in a true, gracious manner. In terms of ritual, in terms of things that you must do to be right with God, you have so little that is weighing you down, that is, that is required, that is important, that your heart is free, your mind is free, your soul is free to be expressive toward God. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? I mean, is that the coolest thing ever? Are you listening? Not to me, to the Holy Spirit. He says, elementary things we've been set free from, dead works, instruction about dippings. We don't, we don't have to follow after all these washings and dippings. Yeah? That they came to know that they're partakers of resurrection. We don't have time for all this this morning. But, so I'm trying to get something really good. Is that all right? They've learned that they have no need to be fearful about eternal judgment. Uh, and then he touches on this thing about he's instructed them about faith toward God. That they've received instruction about faith toward God. And the instruction they received about faith toward God, that it was foundational. That it was a pillar to them. And we'll just visit that uh, in, in, in the next couple of moments as we think about this. Because I really think that this is, uh, and we'll, we'll get back to Paul uh, and to the Hebrews in a few weeks, but I really think that this is so critical to us as a people is that, that we realize that we have been set free to come into the law of faith, out of the law of Moses, into the law of faith, that we might have this friendship with God, that we would be led by the Spirit of God, that we have this free life, not that we would use our freedom as an excuse or a rationalization to indulge in stupidity or folly, but we would use our freedom to follow the Spirit. This is what God wants, and that we would walk by faith. And, and I, I want to say this to you, just, just kind of hit you with this a little bit. I think sometimes that we tend to think that saving faith comes, we come to God through saving faith, and then from then on, we live according to Christian ritual. We might not call it law, but we go to church on Sunday, have a couple moments of devotion in the morning, 
Think about God for three or four minutes. Listen to KCMS a couple times during the week. You know, one of the spirit radio stations, right? Flip through TBN or Daystar at least twice a week. Show up to a small group or a connect group once a month at least. And tithe most of the time. And if we're doing that, that's pretty cool. So we tend sometimes to think that faith is kind of a once and done thing. Are you hearing me? We come into saving faith and we, we hang on to saving faith like fire insurance. We, got, we hang on to saving faith, but then, then we, we adapt or adopt almost to like Gentile church ritual. And this is what we do, and if we do it well, we actually consider ourselves pretty mature, Gentile church ritual. And what Paul is trying to show us, I, I pray you're reading the Hebrews, but what Paul's trying to show us time and time and time again through the Hebrews is that it's a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith today. It's a walk of faith tomorrow. It's a walk of faith in the next moment. It's a walk of faith in the next hour. It's a walk of faith that actually this righteousness, which is by faith, is not just saving faith. It is a continuum of faith that we are walking in, that we are constantly hearing his voice. We are constantly, therefore, entering into this faith relationship with his voice. The just will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. If you will hear his voice today, harden not your heart, but rather listen, follow him, and enter into rest. Rest that comes not just by saving faith, but by the faith of his word in this moment. See, this is interesting, that if our righteousness is no longer through the performing of the law, and Christ performed the law for us perfectly, then when we enter in to God, we enter in through Christ, that means our relationship is knit and tied to Him. So rather than following the law fully, we're following the voice of the Lord. And I'm not just following the voice of the Lord at 5.30 when the church opens with Papa Dick. I'm following the voice of the Lord at 10.15, at 10.16, at 10.17, at 10.18, at noon, at 2 p.m. Even when the car cuts me off on the freeway, even when the bills are bigger than the account, even when the prognosis is terrible, even when... Somebody needs prayer and it might be embarrassing. Even at every moment, I'm following the Lord. I'm living for the Lord. I've entered into him who has fulfilled the law for me that I might give my life fully to him and that I might serve him and follow after him with all my heart. Come on, somebody shout me down for that one right there. I'm going to ask the band to come and help us close. I know we're late. It's your fault, though. You fellowship too much.
This is so good. I wish I could get it all across to you. I wish I could, I wish I could just share everything, but wow. Galatians 3.11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Galatians 3.22, the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith that was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, that is the legal tutor, for we are now all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's stand this morning. I really think that this is why, this is why John writes, this is why Jesus says, uh, uh, John writes that this is how we know one another because we obey the commandments of the Lord. And his commandments are not hard, but nonetheless, we listen, right? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Do we know his voice? Do we know his voice? We're Gentile believers for the most part. We're, we're in a Gentile-oriented church. We, we don't have all of the trappings of the law ceremonially or of its, of its seasons or its practices but nonetheless we have we have Gentile practices that we've entered into that we might think those are the sum total of being a believer and the Lord just wants to say to you this morning that there's so much more there's so much more he wants to lead you as you leave here this morning. You're going to think, Gentile perspective, church is over. Well, that was good. I'm done hearing from God. You aren't done hearing from God. He just started fellowshipping with you. Fellowship just started. And you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm, glad, he, I'm, I'm glad he shared that. It was, was a fairly good word. I, I heard a little bit of something during worship that was really cool. His jaw muscle does not wear out. He is not like, God is not like done talking. He's not like, oh my goodness, my, my vocal cords are shot. That is not our Father. That's not the Holy Spirit. He is so excited to talk to you the rest of the day, to lead you, to show you things, to guide you, to instruct you, to preserve you from trouble, to lead you out of difficulty, to impart wisdom to you. And this that we do is just, this is like the appetizer of all that he's got for you. So he's asking you even now, would you be so careful to not consider the trappings of church? as the full expression of what it is to walk with him. Would you, would you, just, would you just strip off your Gentile trappings and, and your ritual and just say, just say, 
Lord, even as there is more, pour out more on me. Show me more. Lead me into more. Touch me deeper. Visit me in my dreams and in my sleep. Visit me when I'm driving the car. Visit me when I'm in the shower. Visit me when I'm having my meals. Let everything be wrecked. Let everything be touched. Let everything be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Let everything be open game to God. Don't put God... Lord, when I'm making a business decision, would you be in the midst of it? Would you be in the midst of it? Unto you, let this decision be made. Unto you, let this decision be made. bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Lord, yes, we say yes to you. Lord, I just see the enthusiasm in your people. That this freedom you've given us in Christ is not a freedom wherein we can just run around and ignore you, but it's a freedom wherein we've been knit to you deeper, more full, richer, It's a freedom wherein we can experience you fully. We can walk with you richly. We can hear your voice. We don't have to think about the ashes of a red heifer. We can think about our God. We can think about the heavenly things. We can think about what you brought us into. We can think about what you're leading us into. We can hear your voice. We just agree for a richness to invade our homes, our lives, our conversations, our cars. Invade, 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 invade. Let faith increase. Let faith increase. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. And we go from glory to glory. We go from righteousness to righteousness. As we hear your word and as we follow your word, all of our hearts. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Let's worship as we go.